I am pleased to be joined by Craig Muter from the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. He's the communications director up there. Craig, good morning. Thanks for finally getting through. Tell the folks why you're about a half an hour late today. We got about eight inches overnight, uh, Wayne, and uh, and it's still snowing. The, the nor'easter that's bringing you rain is bringing us snow, uh, and this is not uncommon for us in in, uh, in upstate New York at this time of year. We're going to get some white stuff, but it is still baseball season. I was watching the WBC last night and loving every minute of it, so uh, I know spring's on the way. So what is your background? Are you a baseball guy through and through? Did you play like Little League Baseball and maybe beyond? Well, I, I did play a little league baseball, and, and, and by the time I was 12, I realized I was not going to be Willie Mays. I did not have those gifts. Uh, so if I was going to stay around the game I loved, there was going to need to be another way. And uh, so I, I started getting in. I, I started down a path of being a broadcaster and ended up being a writer. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was 10, my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series that year, 1979. And my parents got me a World Series encyclopedia. Uh, by a, a, a couple authors named Nefton Cohen. Uh, They're just an absolutely wonderful book, detailed every World Series through 1978. And I digested it very quickly and realized within six months or so that I had memorized accidentally all of the World Series results. And that was the first thing that I could do that other kids my age could not do, which was tell you whoever won, you know, give me a year, I'll tell you who won the World Series. And I just fell in love with the game. Uh, and like I said, I started out uh, on the broadcasting path, ended up as a writer, uh, covered the game, uh, covered the Indians in Cleveland during the 90s, uh, then came uh, here to Utica, New York, where I was a sports editor for about 10 years, got to cover the Baseball Hall of Fame, and Utica had a minor league team for a while there, so it was great. And then one day in 2008, uh, you know, I got to know uh, Jeff Idelson and the PR guys at the Hall of Fame pretty well by covering the events. And one day uh, they called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in talking about this job? And I said, uh, yeah, would I be interested in guided tour of heaven? You know, sign me up. I'm ready. Literally a labor of love. I've interviewed Jeff Idelson when I was up in Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame. We played that on the air here a couple of times, and maybe someday we can dig that one out if I can find it. That was on a tape cassette, by the way. That's the generation of that. 79 World Series, Pittsburgh beat Baltimore in seven games. Let me guess, Craig, your favorite player of all time. Let me try Willie Stargell. You are correct. There's no doubt about it. He was the guy when I was a kid. My, my dad was a huge Roberto Clemente fan, and I was, of course, uh, three, almost four, when he when Clemente passed away. Uh, so I don't have memories of Clemente, but Stargell I have lots of memories of, and Dave Parker and Bill Madlock and all those guys from those 79, 80, 81, 82 Pirates. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a big, uh, big uh, picture of Willie Stargell on my office door at the Hall of Fame. Craig, as we talk about baseball here in the middle of a blizzard in upstate New York, it raises the question, what goes on at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown in the wintertime? I'll admit, I went there in the summertime, and it was spectacular. I spent four days there. I kept going back every day to the Hall and looking at different things I hadn't seen before. But do things go on normally there, maybe with fewer people in the wintertime as well? Absolutely. We are, we are open every day of the year except for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Uh, so we are open today. There will be people in the Hall of Fame today. I guarantee it. It won't look like summer when you've got, uh, you know, thousands of people coming through the museum every single day. Uh, but it's a neat time to come because you can, you can take your time and have your pace and look at the things you want to look at 
uh, and really spend some time in baseball history. And, you know, that's the great thing about the museum. It's not just baseball history. It's American history. This game is tied to this country like no other sport and hardly any other institution because baseball and America grew up together. And that's what the Hall of Fame represents, that connection, that bond uh, between the greatest game ever played and the greatest country on earth. Obviously, there's more people there in the summertime. But one thing that I discovered, Craig, when I was up there is that there's plenty of other things to do, including the lake and so forth. And I found that if I went out and did other things during the afternoon and then around dinner time, five o'clock, the hall empties out. Families go to dinner. And they don't come back. And to me, I had the hall all to myself between like six and nine o'clock, which is probably like what it is in the wintertime with fewer people around. You don't, you're not bumping shoulders. You can read every exhibit. And it's, it's, to me, it was, it was great to pretty much be on my own there when everybody else was off doing whatever they're doing. That's right. So in the summertime, normally between like uh, Labor Day and Memorial Day, we're open nine to five every day. But in the summer, we stay open nine to seven. Uh, so you can really enjoy the place. It is, it's a, it, it's a fabulous walk through and we tell people to allow at least four to six hours if it's your first time visiting just to fully experience the museum three floors you know fifty thousand square feet of exhibit space uh and and when you think about it you know we have forty thousand pieces in our museum bats balls gloves and spice only about 15 percent are on display at any given time uh for a couple reasons number one is space and number two is we're preserving these things, so so they have to be in climate-controlled environments occasionally in order to what the uh, curators call resting the uh, the artifacts. So it's a different museum every time you come back because it's constantly changing because the curators are constantly updating the exhibits. Craig, tell me what's going on in the Hall of Fame class induction this year with Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. July 23rd here in Cooperstown, the class of 2023, and uh, and we're already ramping up for it. You know, when, when, you, when you ask what goes on in the winter, from a PR standpoint, what goes on in the winter is this is our busy time because we're putting together all our publications and, and getting ready for all our materials for the summertime uh, when, when it's visitation time and we're having to, to do those kind of things. So... Uh, this is this is big time publication time. We've got uh, our yearbook and our almanac that are just being put to bed. Uh, we've got a couple of issues of our magazine Memories and Dreams that we've already published. Uh, so yeah, we're getting ready for a wonderful time this summer. Scott Rowland, just one of the most underappreciated third basemen, cer- certainly was there and probably all time. When you look at the numbers, the new metrics just love him. Metrics like WAR and Jaws, uh, they they really think highly of Scott Rowland. You can see why. The guy was a premium defender, had over 500 doubles in his career, drew walks, drove in runs, any any kind of metric you want. Scott Rowland had, and it was just and was an integral part of those Cardinal teams: 04 that won the pennant, 06 that won the World Series. Fred McGriff, I don't know what you can say about him except that one of the most power, consistent power hitters of his time. 30 seasons where he hit at least. I'm sorry, 30, 10 seasons where he hit at least 30 home runs and was consistent throughout his career from start to finish. You, you could write it down, 32 home runs and 100 RBIs every single year. The backbone, the cleanup hitter on that 95 Braves team that won the World Series. Uh, and, and, and also, I have to say this, two of the greatest guys you're ever going to meet. Just absolutely thrilled to be in Cooperstown. Just love the fact that they're Hall of Famers. So appreciative. 
Uh, we're we're going to welcome two great ones to the Hall of Fame this summer. Inside information, Craig. Does Fred McGriff mind being called the crime dog? Oh, no, he loves it. I, I, he loves that, and, and he embraced it when he was a player. Uh, you know, Chris Berman from ESPN Sports Center. for those of you who remember Sports Center when it was, it was the thing, Chris Berman pretty much hung, him, hung that moniker on him, the crime dog, uh, after McGruff, uh, the, the children's cartoon character. And, uh, and Fred loves it. He, he absolutely loves being called that and, and responds to it. Yeah, it, it's a great thing for him. You know, the guy that I glommed onto when I was a kid growing up, well, number one was the team, the Milwaukee Braves, 57 World Series champion, beat the Yankees, lost in seven to the Yankees in 58. That entire team, I can give you the, the whole starting lineup and the pitching rotation and so forth. But Hank Aaron, an incredible player. He's still my all-time hero. But being a Red Sox guy for the last 40 or so years, David Ortiz is pretty high on the list, too. And you talked about McGriff. I think about clutch hitting. And when you talk about David Ortiz, maybe Mr. Clutch of all time, what is in the hall right now to honor the memory of David Ortiz and what a great player he was? So every year around May 15th or so, we put up a new exhibit dedicated to the newest class. And that exhibit stays up through uh, the, the next, through a year, through the next May 15th or so. So right now, the class of 2022 exhibit is still up, which is, has a David Ortiz element to it, a case to it. And, and you come in, you can see a David Ortiz jersey and, uh, and some other artifacts from his career. Yeah, he was such a wonderful player with the Red Sox. And, and, and what you said is so true. It seems like he did it not just once. It's one thing to do it once and ha- have a clutch series, and, and that's great. That's a, you know, talk about a, a Mickey Lolich guy in 68 for the Tigers. Uh, you know, a guy who wins three games in the World Series. But David did it multiple times in multiple series in the postseason, kept coming up big. Uh, there's, there's something to be said about that. You know, it's not just it's not just happen, happenstance. You know that there's something inside this guy that produces those big moments and, and rises to the occasion when they happen. And, uh, and yeah, it, 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 it was special to see him like this. 35,000 people at the induction ceremony last year. So many of them were Red Sox fans. A lot, a lot of red uh, in Cooperstown last summer. And equal time for the Yankee fans. Certainly plenty of history with that franchise. What do you find to be the most popular exhibits at the Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown pertaining to either Yankee players or Yankee teams? Because they've had so many great ones. Certainly there's an exhibit uh, on the third floor that's dedicated to the World Series. And part of that is a huge uh, video wall that honors the Yankees' 27 World Series championships. There's a big number 27 uh, kind of emblazoned on it. Uh, and, and you look at that, and, and you know it's like in our, in our, in our lifetime, we're not going to see anybody approach that number, let alone pass it. Uh, and it may never happen. Uh, when, you, when you think about that, 27 World Series championships, uh, it's just incredible. Uh, what that franchise has done, how consistent it was for such a long, long, long period of time. Uh, and even in today, uh, you know, they're in it every year. That That's something that, as a fan, you know, it's easy to kind of, you know, take it for granted, but so many fan bases don't have that. It's a special thing to know every year you're going to be in the pennant race. Doubleday Field outside the Hall of Fame and Museum is a special place, and that's where they have the Hall of Fame Classic on May the 27th, the Legends game. Tell me about that. That's a great event where, where, where we bring in 
Uh, recently retired players from all each of the 30 major league teams, plus Hall of Famers. So this year we've got Jack Morris, we've got Jim Cott, we've got Fergie Jenkins, we've got Raleigh Fingers, and a couple more we're going to announce in a couple weeks here that are coming in for the Classic. Uh, the Hall of Famers serve as managers and coaches, and the players, it's just so fun to see them on Doubleday Field. You know, that's a place where Babe Ruth played, where Jackie Robinson played, on that same diamond, in those same dugouts. And, and you have you have recently retired players coming in. Uh, Garrett Jones, former Pittsburgh Pirate, was the MVP of the game last year. He's coming back again. And just to see the smiles on their faces when they're playing in this game is special. If you're looking for a great Memorial Day adventure to Cooperstown, you can get tickets now. They just went on sale yesterday at baseballhall.org. You'll see it right at the top of the page, how you can buy tickets to the Hall of Fame Classic. Uh, and it really is. It's a special thing to come to Cooperstown and see that. And... Then that night, one of our favorite events, night at the ballpark. So the game starts at, at, in the afternoon at, at 2 p.m. And then in the evening, night at the ballpark where the players and the Hall of Famers come back. <clears throat> and they, we sit them up at stations on, on chairs in Doubleday Field. And you can come and take your picture and talk to a Hall of Famer or talk to one of your favorite players uh, for a little bit on the field. That's a special event, and that's a separate ticket from the Hall of Fame Classic, and it sells that fast. Night at the ballpark, uh, people love it. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a chance to, to see your heroes up close and personal at the home of baseball. And that game will be at Doubleday Field. And, Craig, here's a question I know you've never been asked before, but A, did Abner Doubleday really invent baseball? And B, is that topic addressed at the Hall? Uh, so the answer to the question is no, Abner Doubleday did not invent baseball. And B, yes, we address it all the time in the Hall of Fame because we want people to know the truth. And the truth is Abner Doubleday was nowhere near Cooperstown in 1839. Uh, he would have been a cadet at West Point at that point, probably wouldn't have been allowed off the base. Uh, but what happened was is in the early 1910s, 1905 or so, the powers that be in baseball, the owners, decided they wanted to know where baseball came from. And as I tell student groups who come through the Hall of Fame every year, believe it or not, there was no Internet back in 1905. Couldn't type into Google, where did baseball come from? So they used the 1905 equivalent of the Internet, which was newspapers. They sent out thousands of classified advertisements to papers all over the country. Basically two sentences saying, if you know how baseball was created, write us a letter and tell us. And so a couple years later, a guy named Abner Graves, who's a mining engineer at that point in Colorado, writes a letter to the editor to the Akron Beacon Journal, paper located outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And he says, yeah, I know how baseball got started. In 1839, I was a boy of five years old living in Cooperstown, and I watched as Abner Doubleday was commanding a Union Army regiment in Cooperstown, and he laid out the bases in a field for recreation for his soldiers on their downtime. And the owners loved this story because Doubleday was an American hero, a Civil War hero. And even more important to the owners, Doubleday was dead. So you couldn't go back and ask him if he'd been in the game baseball because he wasn't around to answer the question anymore. And so the owners published this little 30-page paper saying, to the best of our knowledge, this is what happened. And the myth grew from there. Now, by the 1950s, we know Doubleday was not in Cooperstown. Doubleday was a massive diary writer throughout his life never once wrote the word baseball in his diary. Uh, so the baseball dates well back before 1839 Cooperstown, well back in the 1800s, people were playing stick and ball games in this country. 
Well, wait a minute then. Then why is the baseball field there called Double Day Field if the guy's a phony? At the time, in 1920, when they established Double Day Field, they thought that that was the case, that the myth was still active then, and they thought that it was invented in Cooperstown. Uh, so we, we, we tell people all the time, Doubleday did not invent baseball in Cooperstown. But we are so fortunate that the myth happened because Cooperstown becomes the pulse point, the place where people go to feel that soul of the game. And there, since there is no origin, there is no place like the NFL has, you know, the Hupmobile dealership in Canton, Ohio. There is no place like that in baseball because baseball is so old and stick and ball games go back for so long. And in England, they're playing stick, lots of different stick and ball games. Craig, this is fabulous stuff. We're going to make you a regular guest here because I know you have plenty more stories. And I, I someday we'll tell the Mordecai Brown story, three-fingered Brown. But nonetheless, this was fun. Uh, how much snow you still have to shovel up there? Uh, I, I've still got snow coming down. I'm looking at snow out the window. It's still coming down. They're saying uh, at least another four hours or so, and then it's, the wind's going to start kicking up. So, uh, yes, winter has not left its grip yet. Well, it'll melt in time for baseball season. Craig, this was great. Thank you for joining me this morning. Wayne, it was my pleasure. Have, thanks for having us on. Craig Muter, the communications director at the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown.